0: to soccer morning on world soccer talk here's your host jason davis
1: well, that is me we are live on soccer morning worldsoccertalk.com hope you're having a lovely tuesday big show lined up for you today we're going to talk about events in the premier league yesterday rumors swirling around the recently ousted jose Mourinho, who might, might find himself a soft landing spot somewhere who knows i mean We all thought that Jose wouldn't be long without a job, right? Will he wait out the season, or will he actually find a job before the campaign is over? The merry-go-round is starting to spin. We know several big-name managers will be available come the summer. If not Jose, certainly Pep Guardiola. That's all going to have an impact on what the biggest teams in the world do, especially in the Premier League. And the Premier League is fun right now. Very, very fun. On this program today to talk about all the fun, Luke Moore from the Football Ramble will join us. Uh, I'm sure Luke will have plenty to say about Jose Mourinho and his sacking, uh, about Manchester United, about Liverpool, who uh, got stomped by Watford on the weekend, about Arsenal, who beat Manchester City 2-1. That's where we start with the news this morning. Theo Walcott, Olivier Giroud doing the honors for the Gunners. Now, Yaya Torre's goal was the best of the bunch, but it came in a losing effort, and Yaya was otherwise not very good. That that makes me sad. I, I shed a tear when I hear that uh, Yaya Torre had a bad day at the office. Uh, I'm a big Yaya Torre fan. I'm starting to think that maybe age and, and wear and tear is starting to catch up with, with Yaya. Uh, more like Nana Torre. Trevor Hayward, ladies and gentlemen. The win keeps Arsenal two points back of Leicester in the Premier League table. And uh, uh, not all good news from for Arsenal. Uh, they did get word that Alexi Sanchez will be out for another three weeks, pushed back his return. I, I do find this interesting that, that Arsenal is getting this done. But despite not playing typical Arsenal football and certainly dealing with some injuries, I saw the, the possession stats. Was it close to 70% possession for Manchester City? In that game. So Arsenal getting it done by being clinical, by taking advantage of, of Manchester City uh, on the break, and certainly pressuring the back line of Manchester City. No Vincent company is so huge for City. Without him, they are a different defensive team, and it shows against the big dogs like Arsenal in the Premier League. Spain head coach Vincent uh, Del Bosque will retire after Euro 2016. Uh, Del Bosque obviously had. A lot of success with Spain. Won the Euros in two thousand eight. Won a World Cup title in 2000, uh, 2010 with Spain. Spain at the time, the culmination uh, internationally, sort of the the avatar of of Barcelona and tiki taka uh, tiki taka football. They obviously had some other pieces from other teams, but uh, that the core of that team was. Was very much Barcelona uh, reared, and the uh, the Spanish national team played some of the prettiest football we've seen on the international stage. In fact, I'm sure there are plenty of people out there who would make the argument that Spain was maybe at the time uh, one of the best national teams of of all time when they uh, when they won their premier, uh, their, their European and uh, World cha- uh, Championships. All right, so uh, Vincente Del Bosque stepping aside, we'll see how that impacts the Spanish national team. As they move forward, Egyptian side Zamalak has decided to quit the season, or at least they're threatening to do so. This, this story's a little all over the place. Threw it into the news because I find it interesting. But of course, uh, the state of the Egyptian league up and down, uh, just based on some of the travails that they've had running the league, security issues. There seems to be a concern over where Zamalek is playing their games. They would like to move their games. The Egyptian Football Association says no. They don't like the officiating. Uh, they want to get uh, certain officials off of their games. The uh, Egyptian Football Association said no. Um, and, and this this sounds like sour grapes, but without being on the ground in, in Egypt, it's very difficult to say whether or not there's a legitimate concern on the part of Zamalek. And this may all be bluster in the end, but they have threatened to quit the Egyptian season. The club will be could be relegated to the fourth division if they don't repeal their request to be removed. Um you have to imagine that eventually the Brinksmanship will come to an end and uh and, and Zamalek will back down to avoid being relegated to the fourth division of Egyptian football. That's a death sentence for a club. You just simply can't do that. Uh there's some interesting insight into uh the Egyptian football situation. Uh, at the r r slash soccer Reddit on uh on Reddit uh, uh Reddit thread on Twitter on sorry on Reddit there it is, wow, all right let's uh let's get into Mexico Mexican captain Rafa Marquez is returning to his native country to join Atlas that is his his first club seventeen years ago, Rafa Marquez made his debut with Atlas uh, played four years for the Guadalajara based club before moving to Monaco in nineteen ninety nine obviously Marquez has played. For Barcelona, most recently with Hellas Verona in Italy, where he moved after the World Cup 2014. Uh, Now, uh, Rafa is back in Mexico. He's 36 years old. This is likely his last stop. He he captained the Mexican national team through four World Cups, 2002, 2006, 2010, and 2014. That's an incredibly, whether you like the guy or not, and certainly as a U.S. men's national team fan, it's hard to like the guy. As a, if you like the Red Bulls at all, uh, it's hard to like the guy. Um, but, uh, he certainly is a legend in Mexican football and now he has an opportunity to end his career back in Mexico with Atlas, his original club. Reporting, reports suggest that Manchester United is discussing the possibility of hiring Jose Mourinho. The club currently disillusioned with Louis Van Hall amid poor results and some ugly football. Uh, they just, uh, found themselves uh, beaten at the weekend by, by Norwich. It's not going great for Manchester United And when you have a name like Jose Mourinho out there. And remember, Jose was angling for the Manchester United job, or at least there were reports that he was angling for the Manchester United job when it opened up post-Alex Ferguson before they brought in uh, David Moyes. Uh, now that Jose's free, the timing works out. We'll see if Manchester United will be tempted by this. Uh, Manchester United representatives have spoken to Jose Mourinho's camp about the possibility of becoming the club's next manager and sources from both sides have told ESPN FC with current boss Louis Van Hall on the brink of the sack that Jose could be the man to come in and take over now this uh, this is interesting to me uh, in part because of the style question Louis Van Hall being accused of not playing very Manchester United like football and uh, guess what? Jose Mourinho doesn't play very Manchester United like football either uh, is Jose enough of a? Uh, is he? Is he? Uh, is he? Can he change his stripes? I suppose is the question, and whether or not he needs to, uh, if he gets wins at a place like Manchester United. It seems like this is a long way to go before something like this could happen. But it's out there. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will grab Luke Moore from the Football Ramble, talking him about that. Certainly, top of the table. Yesterday's game: Arsenal Manchester City. It's Soccer Morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Right, we're back on Soccer Morning, joined now by Luke Moore from the Football Ramble. Hi, Luke. Hello. Good afternoon, or good morning to you, I should say. Sorry. Yeah, it's still morning here. Uh, happy Happy holidays to you. I, I was um, I just you. had this this I was having a conversation on Twitter, and I was telling my producer Trevor that I wanted to play bad Christmas music on this show. He refused. He doesn't want me to do that. I can understand why. I need to ask you your opinion because this song is being discussed on Twitter right now among some, some of my friends. Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney. Where do you fall on that song?
2: Yeah, I don't mind it. I mean, it's, it's an, I'd say I'd put it in the very in the middle of the pack. It's not a standout for me, but it's not it's not relegation material. Okay,
1: either. all right. I I I think it's an abomination, but that's just me. All right, <laughs> let's move on. Yeah, I'm
2: not. I mean, there are ones I I, I dis- dislike more, but there are ones I enjoy more as well.
1: Certainly, it's not stodgy, uh, even if it's got that eighties vibe to it uh, and the synthesizers. At least it's not, you know, one of the uh, one of the old boring ones. All right, let's let's move to the football, Luke. Uh, we are, you know, we're coming up. Um, we're, we're here in the festive period. It's going to get very hot and very heavy in the Premier League. We had a big uh, big game yesterday, crucial match between two of the uh, the higher flyers in the league uh, and Manchester City visiting Arsenal. Arsenal gets the job done. What what stood out for me, Luke, and I don't know if I'm going up the wrong tree here or not, and I didn't get a chance to watch much of that game. But it seems as though Arsenal has found a different way, and maybe this is not new. I mean, you and I have talked about Arsenal sort of adjusting when they play someone like Manchester City. They don't have the lion's share of the possession, but they still score the goals.
2: Yeah, I think they found the a lot I think Wenger's have sort of adapted uh, in that way. I mean, there was a season or two ago where they had that great result over Man City, and they played in a completely reactive way, and that seems to have flicked a, lot, a switch for, for Wenger very so cagey game early on, wasn't it? Until Walcott popped up and sort of broke the deadlock and then the game opened up. Um, and then it, I, I, the thing that's frustrating for, for Man City fans will be Yaya Toure. I mean, Vincent Company's missing, he's missing a big leader on the pitch. And, and they can feel that, but he only decides to, that he wants to play for sort of the last 15 minutes or so. And then he takes the game by the scruff of the neck and does what he does. But it's not enough because he's not done it for the, 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 the preceding 65, 70 minutes. So very disappointing from their point of view. But of course, Arsenal go into great shape. Go into great shape going into the uh, into the second half of the season because a lot of people will will not expect Leicester to last the distance, and if that's the case, then you want to be the next best team, and that's what Arsenal are at the moment.
1: Mm-hmm. Certainly. Um, and now, you're talking about City, talking about that leadership. Uh, is it is it a matter of? Is it a matter of motivation is it a matter of of team spirit i mean those intangibles are very easy to sort of identify as the problem for a side like Manchester City when they have uh, more talent than most uh, most other uh, clubs in this league certainly you know everybody except a, a handful is, is it simple is it as simple as that and is that on Pellegrini
2: partly i think i think it's frustrating is that they don't have they have these players who who aren't who don't seem to be chomping at the bit to get in the team. So, that, so when they do get an opportunity, you'll see a lot of players in a lot of squads. You'll have a handful of, of, of players who aren't playing every week or they can't force their way into the team. But when they get an opportunity, they really take it by the scruff of their neck and make it hard for the manager to leave them out. I don't see that with Man City mm. at all, really. I think the, the gap of between, especially in defence, the gap between sort of, you know, someone who has to come in to replace company. It's absolutely astonishing. Now, I know is still fairly inexperienced and Otamende. making the adjustment from La Liga, which is a very different way of defending. Um, but even Simon, so, mean, you think they're going to apply themselves a bit better. And, and also, uh, Man City just seem really soft centred to me. They, just, they can be got at. You know, yeah. it's not a case of when you play against Man City, and you're a so-called lesser team. You don't sit back and try and hit them on the break and weather the storm and ride your luck. Just get out there and go, go at them. And they'll crumble. They crumble. They might get a goal or two themselves, but they'll crumble. So they, they seem very soft and I think that part of it has to be um, has to be levelled at the manager. I would yeah. suggest.
1: Well, uh, in Arsenal, on the other side, I mean, again, adjusting uh, uh, adjusting to the league and and being smart about how they play, certainly against the bigger sides, uh, weathering the storm of of injuries. Um, you know, it, this is and as you said, to be the second team right now, two points back of a Leicester side that that people believe will eventually fade. That's it's all going great guns? I mean, no pun intended?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think necessarily that Leicester will fade. I mean, I think that's, that's the sort of conventional wisdom and what does tend to happen as is, is injuries and suspensions pile up towards the back end of the season. I mean, ranier has got a big decision to make in January and what, whether he sticks on twists and, and, and what form that will take in terms of potentially adding new players to his squad. But you know, it's probably more than likely they will drop off in terms of performance level at some point. Now, of course, all the other teams are dropping off as well. and All the other teams yeah. are, are very inconsistent, so it might not even make any difference. But I maintain that when you've got a sort of once-in-a-generation thing that's happening now for the first half of the season with an unfancy team like Leicester, I think the best thing you can do, you can hope for at this point, is just to be next and sort of best of the rest yeah. and next in line, and Arsenal have done that. Um, th- th- they'll be happy with that. I mean, they'll be, they'll be tucking into their Christmas meal pr- pretty happy, I would have thought. The problem they've got, though, is, is the fact that they can't stop getting players injured. Yeah. And they've also had a slight concentration problem themselves. So they, they need to sort of try and overcome that. Um, I, I said to you a few weeks ago, Leicester have got four tough games coming up, and we'll talk about what they can do after those. Well, they've won two of them already. So mm-hmm. if they come out of the back of those four games with nine points, I mean, that's, that's a crazy set of circumstances. And then they're going to go into some more eminently more winnable games. And you never know, they might actually close it out. Mm-hmm. I, I can't really see them finishing outside the top four now, which would be a seismic achievement in itself.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Boxing Day, they have Liverpool, and, and the way Liverpool is at, at Anfield, and the way Liverpool is playing right now, I mean, you, you, you really can't, uh, you, you really can't uh, say anything about. Leicester, Leicester has a good chance to go and win that game the way things are going. Yeah.
2: But I think the way, if Leicester go to, to Anfield in the sort of form they've shown, and Liverpool defend anything like the way they defend against Watford, it will be lambs to the slaughter.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at this point, um, uh, you know, speaking of, of Arsenal, just to come to, because again they they, they, they positioned themselves well. You mentioned the injury crisis or the injury issue. I don't know if it's crisis with them with them winning games. Uh, Alexis Sanchez pushed back. Is that uh, how big of a how big of an issue is that?
2: I'd see that as a positive. I, I personally genuinely would see that as a positive thing. I think Wenger has Wenger has failed to resist the play Sanchez where he's not been fit over and over again. He's obsessed with playing and running him into the ground and the guy's not had a decent break in football for ages and the type of player he is he always wants to play at some point the manager's got to use his experience take his take some responsibility and say look am going to give you the time you need they've just beaten man city mm-hmm. they're not struggling for creative players he's clearly one of the best players in the league but it's no good to you if he's injured for three four or five months so just take another week you know take another couple of weeks get him right and then he can come back into the fold but as and when but they're not struggling for creative players at all so I think that's a sensible move, and for me, as an Arsenal fan, I'd be very encouraged.
1: And, and, and speaking of creative players, I mean, uh, some, some, some words here, Luke, on, on Mesut Ozil and his influence in this team. I, I, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago that there were a lot of Arsenal fans very, uh, not, not upset, but certainly questioning Mesut Ozil and his commitment. Yeah, I think he's just some, he's one of those types of
2: players who, um, when it's not going well for him, his demeanor and his sort of slopey shoulders makes it look like he doesn't care or he's not trying. I don't actually think that's the case. I think it's a big adjustment moving to to the Premier League, which is a very fast league, isn't very forgiving when it comes to sort of fairly slight um, playmaker type forward or attacking midfielders, and so he has to he's had to have made that adjustment. But he I mean, he has done that. I mean, he's, he's probably I mean, look, you talk about Vardy and Maros. It remains to be seen whether they can keep that up to the end of the season. But I don't think there's made that at all that Ersel can. I think he's got a good chance of Picking up an award or two at the end of the season, he's in great form.
1: Yeah, I should throw in that um, you know th- th- because of where Leicester is and because of who they are, there's going to be rampant speculation about uh, about these players, especially that Vardy and, and Marez moving on. And they've both had to, if I, I if I'm not mistaken, at least Mares has had to to issue statements that they intend to stay throughout the you know through the rest of the season. And, and really, yeah. how how can you, as a player, I understand you want to maximize your return on a, what can be a very short career sometimes. But at the same time, I mean, this is, this is once in a lifetime type stuff for the Foxes.
2: Yeah, I think I completely agree with you. I think you know, it would be crazy for them to, to leave in January. I mean, they're top of the league. There's a, a good chance they're going to be top of the league in January. So, what's the point? Yeah. You know, you stay where you are. The, going back to the Urzal thing, the thing I like about I thing. I think now he's on form and well, he's settled and he's happy. I think part of the reason he's so successful is because Premier League football is very gung ho, very 100 miles an hour, back and forth, back and forth. And it leaves a lot of gaps. I think when he played in Spain, he probably had to find gaps himself. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the Premier League, he just has them presented to him all the time, and that means he can be um, he can be absolutely um, devastating with his his ingenuity and his creativity. He's like an you know he's like an artist in the shop of butchers. You know what I mean? He's very very subtle and very offers a a different type of different way of attacking that, that perhaps a lot of other teams in that league don't have access to. If you look at Maras, and he's a very, he's a great player and he's quick and all that other stuff, but he's a very obvious type of attacking midfield player, Mm -hmm. slash forward, you know, he, he's very quick, his feet are quick, he, he almost sort of bludgeons you to death with his pace and his, and his, and and all that other stuff, whereas that's a bit more of an artist, I think. And that can be an underappreciated skill, and I think, it takes a while for people to fully come down to to how good
1: he is. I think I think that's true. I, I think that uh, you know, perhaps it, not necessarily speed of thought, but but reach. As you said, the the, the Premier League is much a much faster league, and if it, in and one of his great assets is is making those decisions as quickly as he does, and those that can lead to very subtle moments, as you said, that that aren't. You know, he's not he's not taking players on. He's not going to. You know, he's not going to. Uh, Find gaps and create space by by drawing defenders to him. He's going to take the ball and find that uh, the, find that gap very very quickly. Okay, uh, moving on here. Let's talk about Jose Mourinho and well, let's talk about Manchester United first, and we'll set the stage for this r- r- rumor that Jose may be in line to at least get a sniff at, at Manchester United. Uh, they they lose to to Norwich on the weekend at Old Trafford, and and I imagine that that's got to be. You know, again, we're kind of it's 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 building on Louis Van Hall at this point. Where is it now, and when is the straw that breaks the camel's back?
2: Tough to say. I don't know. I mean, I heard a, someone was saying to me the other day that he's got two games to save his job or something like that. I mean, I don't really know what the point of that is. I mean, fine, but I mean, if he wins two more games, they're not going to change their. Complete, he's not going to look at that and go. I mean, if we assume that's true. He's not going to look at that and go, "Oh, well, I want to change my complete change my philosophy and no. do something different." He's no. not going to, it's not going to happen. So, even if they win two games next, they're not going to win them four 0 and three 0 are they? They're going to, probably going to sneak them, and and so the thing is this the problem isn't going to really be solved. So, I, I just think with Van Gaal, he's just a, um, I think he's just quite an anachronistic manager. I mean, he's been very successful in the past. He deserves a lot of respect for what he's achieved in the game. I think the modern guy is probably passing him by the way it's passed a lot of other old managers by. I mean, you look at someone like Fabio Capello, who's mm-hmm. done achieved great things in his career, but his management career is just completely petered out. He's not adapted, he's not adjusted. That's not to say that older managers can't adjust or they can't adapt, but some of them certainly can't. And so Van Gaal looks to me like he can't. Because uh, I, I, don't, I don't think it's the size of the club or the size of the, uh, the challenge, because he's managed at really big clubs before. I mean, the biggest clubs around. And he's also managed at big international level size as well. So... I just think it's moved on without him in the game, and I think he's, he's been caught up. and I think they probably will move him on sooner rather than later. When that is, I don't know. I don't have any contacts in the club. Sure. Um, and, if you, and if you if you if you want to talk about the Mourinho thing, I just don't see how. I can't really convince myself or be convinced by anyone else that Mourinho is a good fit for Man United. And I think they know that as well.
1: No, I, I, I I'm. With, I mean, that's the logical thing to to believe that that they have to imagine that this is not the the right man for them. Not only because he is. Uh, so flighty and, and he'd only last a couple of seasons before things fall apart, but be also because what 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 style change does he bring to the club in light of what yeah, Louis Hall has done? You, you couldn't make... It's, it's almost like a sick joke. You know, you, one of the biggest reasons that Manchester United are going to get rid... If
2: they are going to get rid of a coach, that they're going to get rid of a coach with a, with a massive reputation is because he's not attacking enough. And then they get a Mourinho in who's just been fired. And it's like... He's not, what's Mourinho going to do if he takes the Man United job? He's going to try and restore his reputation. The way he's going to try and do that is by winning trophies. And the way he tries to win trophies is not by attacking teams in, in a free-flowing Man United star. He'll grind results out. And he, the thing about Mourinho is, the only way I can think of, think of summing him up sort of succinctly, because he's a very complicated character, is he will bring you trophies, but that's all he'll bring you. He won't bring you a legacy. He won't bring you a whole crop of new young players to come through after he's gone. He won't bring you memories of amazing attacking football, by and large. He'll just bring you trophies. And for a lot of clubs, that's enough. And fine. And I'm not not judging them for that. But for some clubs, that isn't enough. And those clubs include Manchester United and Real Madrid. Um, And I think one of them, well, he's obviously already managed Real Madrid, and people don't particularly look on that as that that fondly. And I honestly don't think if Man not are convinced to take him on by George Mendes, who they like doing business with, by the way. So it could happen on that level. I don't think they're going to look back on it with any really sort of fondness at all. That would be my prediction. If indeed he goes there, which I
1: don't think. Well, no, I, I don't. I don't see it happening either. But but if you, even if you can conceive of it of it happening, I, I guess the only way that you sort of can rationalize it is that since Ferguson left, Luke, it's been there's been a void there, and, and even with Louis Van Hall, who is in, immensely respected, it still doesn't feel as though there's something to orbit around at Manchester United the way that there was when Sir Alex was on the job and. The, the, uh, Mourinho has that sort of gravity, but it's a different sort of gravity.
2: Yeah, and I, don't, I don't think if, if you went down that route as a Man United decision-maker or even as a Man United fan, if you tried to go down that route and go, oh, well, it's never been the same since Ferguson, Get, get on with it. Get over it. It's never going to be the same. This is a man who completely identifies with the club, and the club completely identifies with him. Right. You, can't, you can't judge that on the same basis. You can't judge a new manager, whoever he is. Even to you get Guardiola in, you know, to a lot of people's mind, the best manager working today, you get him in, he's still not going to be able to compete with the Sir Alex Ferguson stand at Old Trafford, the Sir Alex Ferguson named Road outside you know, Old Trafford, you know, the statue of Sir Alex Ferguson. No one is going to replace that. They need to get over that. I said. I remember. I said, I said it when it first happened, and then Moyes came in, I didn't mean it in a callous way, but in a more more of a reality check type thing to Man United fans. Welcome to the real world. Yeah. You know this is this is how every single other club pretty much <laughs> in the world right. has to deal right. with things on a day to day basis. And under Alex, folks, and they didn't have to worry about that. Now they do, and it doesn't matter who they get in. It's not going to replace that. I think they just need to put that out of their mind, try so and get the best manager they can that fits the club in the best way possible and try and start achieving new things and start living in the present a bit more and, and just put Sir Alex Ferguson out of yeah. their mind. I mean, Not in a way that they don't want to worry about him anymore. They don't want to appreciate what he's achieved. Of course they do, but they need to judge themselves on a whole new set of uh, parameters now.
1: Mm, absolutely. And, and, and uh, uh, Sir Alex certainly... It's an anachronism in his in his final few years on the job because again th- this is not a world where where um clubs are are willing to wait it out uh, with, with a manager i mean you know well, absolutely, yeah. go, go you know you go back to sir Alex for first couple of years with manchester united and, they, and and he wasn't winning trophies and now because of the established i'm looking at uh, i'm I, i'm sure you haven't had a chance to read it yet luke and i actually haven't gone through it all it's at the telegraph and it's from I like think Paul Hayward. And it, it just, whether or not I, the, the writing is, is, is good or not, the, the theory is that there's a, a very small group of elite managers, Mourinho, Guardiola, Klopp, Ancelotti, and Simeone, who have become a luxury brand. And it fits a, a theory that I have that there are only a handful of managers that fit a handful of clubs. And it, it creates this, it's going to create this merry-go-round that, you know, Guardiola is going to leave Bayern Munich and he's going to end up at one of these elite big-money clubs because that's the only place he can go.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I, think that I, I yeah, it was quite a broad stroke. I, I, I agree with that to an extent. I think you know I'd include different a couple of managers in there and, and maybe take one or two out. I mean, I'd include Ancelotti in that, and, and, and I'd probably remove Klopp from that. But sure. but, the, but the, the overall sentiment is, is is correct. And the thing I wanted to pick up on what you mentioned there is the time factor. It's a different game now. You don't, these teams need these teams feel like they need to be successful almost as soon as possible. There's no long term sort of thinking on that level it's fine for them to have a long-term strategy as long as you're picking up a trophy or two here, here and there and on the way. And, and that isn't always possible, and that means that puts pressure on the manager. I mean, we're talking about... In terms of Manchester United, we need to bear, bear in mind that we are talking about, in my opinion at least, the greatest club manager in football history, certainly in modern history, and it's not even close. So, so it's very, very hard. Not only hard, but probably impossible, and also irrelevant, really. To, to judge any other manager working today and by those standards. There's no point. You're just never going to be happy yeah. if you do that. So it's almost like you need to draw a line under it, go out and get the best fit for the club you can find. Mm-hmm. They've got the money to pay him. They've got the size of the club to attract him. And just go and get him and see what happens, see how it goes. You know, it's a competitive league, the Premier League, and the Champions League is also very competitive. No one's defended it since it became the Champions League. So clearly, by definition, it's very, very competitive. Just give people time and see what they can achieve. Yeah. If, you, if, you, if your judgment is sound and you find the best manager you can find, I'm sure it'll work out. But it
3: will
1: take time. It hmm. uh, certainly does, and, and and you know whether or not continuity and stability are are you know keys to success or not is it, is difficult to tell because again, even if a manager is. Capable of staying on, staying with one club for three, four, five years. Typically, they're the ones moving on, as much as the club is is moving on. Look, I mean, that's the case with Guardiola. He's he's done his time at Bayern Munich. He's ready to go try a new challenge. And 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 you know, Klopp is certainly decided to step away from from Dortmund after a, a lengthy period. But he's not going to be. You don't expect him to be at Liverpool for seven years. I don't think that's going to happen.
2: I, well, hope, I mean, I don't know if he will or not. I mean, it's, it's very hard to judge and hard to predict in this, in this era of football. But, I mean, Klopp is at least someone who I think naturally wants to do that. Okay. He, he seems like okay. he naturally wants to stay long. I, I personally think that anyway. I don't think... You know, think of the candidates around um, around who have been linked to Manchester United. I mean, Guardiola, fine. I mean, there's loads of reasons why he didn't necessarily fit United. But he doesn't. He never stays anywhere long. He doesn't want to commit long term. He's also a very tactically minded manager. He'll be coming into a very untactical league compared to the rest of the Europeans top Europe's top leagues. Um, so maybe you can't. I mean, there's something you touched on slightly earlier. Maybe you can't legislate for, for managers staying around that long now. Maybe it just doesn't happen. And if it doesn't happen, then, then clubs need to adjust their models accordingly. Um, but I think I, I I disagree with you slightly about the crop thing. I think he probably would like to okay. play long, okay. I think well, Liverpool would like to keep him there
1: as well. Well, maybe Liverpool would like to keep him, but the problem that we have now, again, this is a function of the modern game, is that the the leadership of the I mean, who's ultimately in charge? And then, okay, so you have you've identified um, someone who has. I had a discussion yesterday uh, with uh, one of our regular contributors, Christian Hennage, and he said, he was sort of identifying. Oh no! Sorry, I was talking to I was talking to Ross Dunbar yesterday, a different gentleman who was pointing out that in Germany you get these ex players who move into club management, but not you know they're not they're not coaches, but they're 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 sitting up there in the executive office and they're making mm-hmm. important decisions. And for whatever reason, the the in England that tradition does there, there's not a tradition of ex players moving into those positions, and therefore you have maybe a disconnect in the goals of a club, or certainly less less football people in place to make football decisions, whether the, the manager stays on or not?
2: Yeah, I think there's probably, le- under the model that English clubs like to that prefer, or that the English media says they prefer, um, there's less um, continuity, for sure. Because one of the things that United, United are trying to do clearly, they're trying to get gigs up to speed, aren't they? They're trying to get Ryan gigs up there to get the experience, to learn from Louis van Gaal, for all his fault. He's obviously got a lot to teach and then perhaps they can bring him in, and that would be more of a long-term thing. But I still think the problem with that is they're going to judge him alongside Alex Ferguson. He's already a legend at the club, gigs. Mm-hmm. They're going to be on his back. They'll give him time because he's a legend, but he's not going to get the time he needs to, to, to come anywhere near uh, leave, leave a legacy of the size of what Alex Ferguson did. And like I say to you, as I keep going back to saying, like, there's no point worrying about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think they may not at least making moves towards giving gigs a bit of a bit of training and a bit of a, a bit of an education under a good, solid, experienced, top-level manager. And I think that's that's good to see because if you look at what's happened in the German national team, they tend to do that stuff. They tend to bring through an assistant and then give him the job and then hopefully they'll do the same again next time around. And that seems like a much more joined-up way of doing it. But then with Man United, you've got to throw things in like they're responsible to the owners, who need to make money, and the brand needs to be big, and they need to be profitable. and They need to have a worldwide presence, and it's much easier to actually win trophies and all that stuff. They can't sustain not being successful for too long because it mm. really, really hammers up their uh, business model. All
1: right, I'm looking at the table again, Luke, and uh, you know we're, we're waiting to see what Leicester City will be able to do. I, you know, there's no. Um, while, while some people may expect them to fade, there's certainly no guarantee of that. They, they, they'll likely at least be, uh, challenging for a Champions League spot or, or a top four spot. Uh, the, the rest of the table though, I mean, because of the way that the league is shaking out, if I'm not mistaken, last year we were essentially crowning Chelsea at this point. Um. What else? You know. What else can uh, you know? Tottenham finally has a chance to really, you know, solidify themselves as a Champions League contender. Uh. We don't know what Manchester City is going to do and whether they hang on to Pellegrini and and whether they can get company back healthy. So where you know, there's there's so much possibility here with Crystal Palace and Watford and West Ham in the top ten.
2: Mm, yeah, I think Spurs have, Spurs have disappeared on the radar a little bit, aren't they? They look pretty consistent. They had a poor result against Newcastle, but other than that, they've done well. They could, they could easily get in there because they're consistent. They don't lose too many games, and that's really important this season. Um, it says that, by the way, it does speak volumes a bit that they're only just in fourth because they've drawn probably a few too many. But yeah. I think they're in good shape because they can keep their players fit, keep that keen field area fit, and keep Harry Kane fit. I can get in there. I don't know about the other clubs you've mentioned. I mean, I'm not completely convinced about Watford at this stage. Sure. Um, I think they've got a couple of players playing very well, but that could all change. And Crystal Palace have got a good side. They need to get their strikers scoring a bit more. And, and, and But they've got... I think I, I went to see Palace at, at Sellers Park a while ago, and played, it was in the League Cup, and they had a load of players, first-team players, um, changed around, and they played a few uh, reserve-team players. Well, not reserve-team players, but players who don't get in the first 11. Now I was surprised by the depth of their squad. And um, so I think they've got an outside chance of doing something in the top six. I think top four might be a bit of a stretch, but it's a very unpredictable season. I'm going to do myself no favor at all by trying to predict what's yeah. going to happen.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, we got with Chelsea in 15th, and, and, and they, um, uh, they obviously get a big win on the weekend. I guess we should, you know, just put a bow on this discussion by talking about Chelsea. They respond without Mourinho, goose hitting because in the stands, Didier Drogba, uh, in the box there with Roman Abramovich. Um, you know, are we going to see a bump because Jose's gone or, is this a talented team finally I mean it's, it definitely seemed as though Jose was the problem based on their performance against Sunderland
2: yeah it was a bit of a disgraceful I thought they played, but then on the other hand they did look like they were playing with a weight lift from their shoulders so something obviously went very wrong there but I think there's a lot of different reasons why you should try hard and play for, for the team you're employed by and it's not just the manager I mean so they should be should have been doing a lot better but the fact is they, 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 they played well against Sunderland one of the best performances of their season certainly domestically some of them aren't great, though, by the way. Um, we'll learn a lot more about them next time around. But, yeah, I mean, they could, just, they could go on a run now. I mean, they're only 11 points, I think, off fourth. Given how many clubs keep consistently dropping points, I mean, it's not outrageous to suggest they might break the uh, that record and of never being finishing higher than seventh or whatever after the start and actually force their way into that top four. I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. It would be fascinating to see what happens to them now. And I think, you know, Chelsea have got a good record with Interim marriages. I think every Interim marriage they've had on the Robanovic has won a trophy, I think. Certainly, most of them have. So there's nothing to suggest that um, hitting can't be a success there, even in the short time he's got at the club. And given that other teams have dropping points all over the place, um, you never know. It could be fireworks.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, and 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 we don't know. I mean, Chelsea is capable of climbing, and uh, and some of these other teams are capable of dropping off, of course. And and I'm looking at the uh, the relegation zone at the moment. I, I think we're all of the opinion that unless something really changes at Aston Villa, they they're a lost cause. As for mm. as for the rest of this, I mean, you know. Uh, again, Norwich, uh, Newcastle, Swansea, Su- Sunderland, there in 19th. I mean, I don't know that that those are going to be the teams that are that are fighting it out at the end of the year. Uh, and not that they're good now, and not that I foresee a lot of improvement, Luke. But as you said, everybody else is dropping points. It- it's possible we have a completely different set of teams, or we have eight or nine teams in the same sort of area fighting uh fighting off relegation.
2: Yeah, the most important the most important column at this stage of the season when you try and talk about relegation is the goals for column. Look at the team who's scoring goals. It's hard to score goals in the Premier League generally. Um, and the biggest problem that teams have coming up into the Premier League is scoring goals. So if you look at the team who can score goals and has not only that, has goals distributed across different parts of the team, then they have, in my view at least, the best chance of, of beating the drop. But at this point, it's very difficult to say. And Graham CNS always used to say, never look at the league tables at Christmas. Yep. Don't worry about that till then. Mm-hmm. And we're not at Christmas yet, so I'm gonna plead the fifth.
1: Just a couple of days and then a box day will come and we'll get another game. In <laughs> you our, can our, me in, back anyway. there. there. There we go. Luke Moore from the Football Ramble joining us uh, on Soccer Morning. Luke, uh, thank you very much for the time. Uh, happy I holidays. Merry Christmas and uh, enjoy Sweet it. Merry we'll, Christmas to all your listeners. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you again probably in the new year. Thank you very much. Cheers, goes, Jake. Uh, good Luke Moore, good stuff from him. We'll step aside. We'll come back, open up the phone lines and talk to you on a Tuesday, whether it's about the Premier League table, whatever else is on, uh, on tap. It's Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com.
0: Welcome back to Soccer Morning on
1: World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. We're back on Soccer Morning on Tuesday, December 22nd, 2015. So uh, the end of the year rapidly approaching. That means lots of lists, lots of, uh, you know, the best this, the best that, the best moments, the worst moments, The uh, I'd seeing like the best like flips or something like mlssoccer.com is pumping out content that's like the best goal celebrations and stuff like that and maybe i saw the best flips i don't know i don't even know what's happening anymore i like, at this point in the year i really like i really have lost uh, the the i don't know i mean i've lost the thread on like i don't even remember what happened in 2015 uh, let me say that that way i barely remember what happened in 2015 you know here, let me pull back the curtain just a little bit on Soccer Morning. Okay, so this is the web show. Love doing the web show. Um, remember, I, you know, we we obviously have guests on this show that are that tend to range all over the place. We have a we have the Sirius Satellite Radio show, Sirius XM Satellite Radio show, which is we've been doing that since what? Trevor was that is that March or April? Something in that area, right? Okay, so we've been on the air for m- March. Okay, so most of the year. I don't remember who we've had on that show. Like, I, 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 I flat out can't remember. And we're supposed to put together a list of our best interviews so they can run it on Christmas Day because obviously we're not doing a show on Christmas Day. And I'm thinking, who did we have on that show? I can't, re- like, there's, there's a, there's a phenomenon that happens when you're doing this thing every day where your brain just stops holding information. Like, it stops retaining. What you did, like I, I can't remember who we, I, I can't remember who we had on this show unless they're a regular. Like I know we've talked to Luke a lot, and I know we talked to uh, uh Eric Gomez a lot. We know we talked to Tom Marshall a lot. I know we talked to Jeff Kasuf a lot, and I know we've talked to uh, our friend Charlie Bohm a lot. But who else has been on the show? Like we've had some really good, really good guests on this show in 2015. I just don't remember who they are. Like I feel as though I've done some decent interviews in 2015. But I, for the life of me, can't remember which ones they were. If you guys want to call me up and help me out with this, I, I would be very, very appreciative. Let's go to Roberto. What's up, Roberto?
0: Hey, is, hey, Jason. Oh,
1: it's Robert. Say hey, what's up, Robert?
0: Hey, hey, no, I wasn't going to. It was just an honest mistake. Hey, I wanted to ask you, um, uh, what you were uh, talking with Lukey, uh, you, I don't know if you uh, didn't bring this up, but uh, Drug was going to be at. Going to be like an assistant coach for the next month, and I just don't know how long that's going to last. I mean, I like, I know it's out of the season, but how long do you think he's going to be there? Do you think he's going to like go there like in between week weekdays?
1: Uh, you know, I uh, is this this is a done deal?
0: Well, uh, they said that he's going to help him for the the first couple of months, like uh, for January and mid February, and then possibly they said possibly longer.
1: Okay, I'm I'm just seeing a lot of headlines that say I want him here or Didier Drogba, or, uh Goosehead wants Drogba there, but I don't see anything that says it's done. I'll take your word for it. Okay, so if it's if there's a an agreement for him to to be an assistant coach for a couple of months, I think that's trouble for Montreal. I really do. How hard is it going to be for Didier Drogba to pull himself away from Chelsea to go train to get ready for a season at 37 years old?
0: Well, I I just want to see the spin. Like they're going to say, like, well, he's going to be training at he's going to be at a high environment, so he'll be fit, and then he'll be ready to go. And then you never know, like with the whole transfer window, there'll be like you know a, a very short term loan. And I just think it's going to make. If it, I mean, I'm not going to say it happens, but I'm just going to say it will probably make Montreal look a little bad.
1: Yeah, you or know, MLS what?
0: look bad in that's, general.
1: That's typically the the dynamic, and I don't want to be cynical about it and just assume that everything's going to come, um, you know, at the uh, you know. Uh, come at the expense of Montreal, but, but Didier Drogba loves that club. Didier Drogba has been asked back. I mean, Goose Hitting is all over the press talking about Didier Drogba. I, I, and when it comes to how you work this out, unless, um, ah, oh man, unless they're going to get a good fee for him, like unless Chelsea ships Montreal a couple million bucks. I mean, how do you look good if you're Montreal?
0: I, I don't know. I guess we're gonna have to wait see. I was just wondering, uh maybe uh the next month, especially like you know with the transfer window with like players loaning out, it's gonna be very uh gonna be very interesting to look at. And can I ask you a more that's just what I wanted to bring up and I do wanna ask you one more thing, uh, Jason, it's off topic uh, I know you have a beard. Who do you think has a better beard? Jurgen Klopp or uh the coach for Watford, uh Keith uh, Flores?
1: Uh, I, I mean, Jurgen Klopp is just a, uh, a badass looking individual. I mean, I don't know how you, how you can go up against that beard, but I, I'm not really a beard judgy kind of guy, unless it's patchy. Okay. If your beard is patchy, then we can have a discussion about bad beards. But really, as long as it's a full beard, as long as you're keeping it relatively trimmed up so it's not going wild, cause I don't like a wild beard. I'm not going to, I like think yeah like who
0: no like a pep Guardiola when he had his beard
1: okay yeah maybe but but I, I mean even long i mean even crazier than that i'm talking about like um like portrait <laughs> yeah i'm not a fan of the Matt <laughs> style of beard that's a, that's that's not my i uh, look look flores and Klopp both have excellent beards uh it's they're fancy both of them are fantastic i'm not going to get uh, beard judgy for you, for you robert sorry
0: Okay, it it, it, it brings <laughs> off that uh, interesting man in the world kind of vibe, it and I just does. I just wanted to ask you that, and, uh, well, I'll see,
1: go the... and i go on. I I am yeah. je- I am jealous of that look because being a fair haired, fair skinned individual, I can't pull off the most interesting man in the world look. I I got the you know my, my beard's red. There's no there, there's like there's no dark and tall, dark and handsome element happening for me. <laughs> Oh, uh, don't tell yourself, short Jason. <laughs> oh, uh, that's why I'm here
0: for it. Hey. <laughs> what else is on your mind? Hey, uh, Jason, real fast. Uh, yesterday, I sent you uh, uh, maybe one or two tweets, and I didn't mean to blow you up. So I hope you don't hate me.
1: Well, what, what uh, about um, what was it about? About. Uh, Jimmy Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mentioned it yesterday. No, I would, I wouldn't hate you at all. I just, I don't. I, we should probably try to find somebody who could speak uh, expertly about Jimmy Hill because I just don't, I, you know, not being uh, immersed in the English football culture until you know very recently, and even then, never being being to England, and and I, I just don't have a whole lot of of insight on Jimmy Hill. But, but yeah, certainly a fascinating individual. Yeah. Okay. Uh, take take in my card, Jason. Appreciate it, Robert. Thanks, man. Robert out in LA, one of our regular callers. I mean, we're, I don't think we have any plans for any like, uh, end of year roundup things happening here. And honestly, I'm not, I think we'll probably be on the air, uh, maybe Monday, Tuesday next week. Um, I'm not sure what days we're doing the shows. We'll, we'll talk about, it. we'll let you know what the schedule is. I gotta talk to Trevor about it, but we went, we weren't really planning any, any end of the year retrospectives, but, uh, since I put it out there, a bunch of you guys are, are on Twitter. Sharing your favorite guest, that's that's very cool. Uh, Fernando says um, the goalkeeper, uh, Jonathan Tannewald, uh, his favorite guest. That's that's obviously a guy we had many, many times. In fact, uh, Jonathan may know how many times he appeared on the show. I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, see, Chris Davis is mentioning Brian Sharetta. He's been great um, he, uh, all year long. Uh, Brian's all over the place doing the interviews. Uh, let's see. Stephen Clark mentions a specific uh, Tannewald interview immediately following the uh, U.S. Open Cup final uh Scott's got Andrew Jennings. We had it was that this year that we had Andrew Jennings on the show? I think we've had Andrew a couple of times. So yeah, we probably did have Andrew Jennings on the program in 2015. If you got any good memories of Soccer Morning in 2015, uh, go ahead and share them. We'll, we'll we'll put them out there. And and this maybe this is a good opportunity because I I you know, we do this show every day. We just keep rolling. We're always current event uh, focused. You know, we're very heavy on what's happening in the moment because that's what you do when you do a daily show, but uh, certainly there's an opportunity for people to go back into the archives and maybe pull out some of the more interesting things. And you know, maybe they're not evergreen. Maybe they were tied to a, cer- a, s- a certain event. Maybe they were very much in the moment uh, with a result or something happening in the world, like the Women's World Cup or whatever. But certainly, you can go back and enjoy those those interviews and those talks. Um, uh, well so maybe uh, suggestions? Maybe we can set up a, a situation where for fans of soccer morning share their favorite moments from the last year or maybe even further than that and that way new fans new listeners can go back and and grab those uh those shows and and listen back to them that's a good idea right i think that's a a fine thing to do we'll set that up somehow or or just um you know follow soccer morning on twitter we'll retweet some of the best ones uh for people uh who maybe need to go back and or or or, you know could go back and, and and take something out of those um uh those past shows uh, phone numbers six four six eight three two thirty nine zero nine. I hadn't even given it out when Robert called, and we've got a little bit of time left in this program. If you want to jump on board, talk about something today. Uh, Trevor was doing some survey stuff. Speaking of following Soccer Morning, Trevor was doing some survey stuff on the Soccer Morning Twitter account yesterday. I think he got some good information. Uh, if you would, ha- if you would partake in that and give us some responses, it would help us with the direction of the show. Certainly setting things up for two thousand sixteen. You know, we, we we're adding and trying to to make the show better and better every uh every week uh, every you know every month we're trying to improve trevor's done a lot on the visual end of things and we're trying to determine what the demand for that is um, certainly we want to add more visual elements to soccer morning and maybe in the future there's a, a partnership that'll come out of um, uh, out of the soccer world that allow us to do that certainly right now you know this is a grassroots sort of i uh, sort of thing i mean we're 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 doing this we're we're in partnership with World Soccer Talk today. Obviously, you know World Soccer Talk is a a fantastic website that's been around for what 10 years now that's been doing, you know, fan-based coverage of the world's game and doing a fantastic job of it. So, it's great for us to be in partnership with them, but that clearly, you know, that th- there's a there's an um th- there's a level to where we are. I mean, we're not, you know, this is not a corporately run show. We're not backed by a network or anything like that. So, we have Resource limits, but we do what we can, and in order to get the most out of the show and the mo, give you the most we can, we need to know what you want, and what you like. So uh, please respond to those questions at Soccer Morning on Twitter. Uh, give us your thoughts on uh, on on all of that. Let's go to Bill up in New York. Hey, Bill. Hey,
3: Jason. I just want to talk about uh, Rockadone going back to Mexico. Mm-hmm. I think that makes it official. But Mexico now is now the retirement league, and MLS is the league where young Mexicans come to play.
1: Oh, uh, you know, okay, fine. Yeah, let's let's make that official, Bill. Why not? Why not make that yeah. official? Rockford in MLS, so he has to go back where he can play. And mess, so. uh, well, look, I mean, yeah, okay. All right, I, you know what? I'm going to let you have your fantasy, Bill. I'm not even going to try to puncture it. I'm not going to play <laughs> devil's advocate as I usually do. There you go. What else you got, Bill? That'll
3: be my Christmas present. Okay. Uh, is, it, is it too early to start worrying about uh, MLS moves for next year with the Red Bulls?
1: No, I mean it's hey, look. The off season kicked off, you know, two and a half weeks ago. We we the Red Bulls like everybody else, have to jockey for position and get themselves ready for 2016. Now, I mean, when you look at your roster, Bill, when you look at, at what they have coming back, I think you've got to feel pretty good because the core is still there. Whether or not you're going to get anything out of extra size, I mean, you got nothing out of Arone in 2015. Are you going to get something out of him next year, is he going to be able to step up and really contribute because you're paying him a good amount of money? And this is a team, again, that's changed directions here. So as, as, you know, as a DP, whether or not he's making... He's not making millions, but he's making enough that you want you want to get something out of him. Um, I'm trying to think, you know. I'm trying to look at and uh, trying to look. At, I'm looking at your roster right now, as of yesterday. And I mean, the the Lawrence thing, Miazga, those things are hanging over your head. Beyond that, I don't know.
3: Because the thing I'm worried about is that uh, last year everything went well for us, went great for us. Miazga and Grella, nobody ever saw that coming. It's true. We had two players that came out of nowhere and were great players. I mean, Miazga, he's going to go A on this year. I'm, I'm sure of it. He's one of the best defenders in the league. Nobody saw that coming. And Grella, making $65,000 a year, was definitely, the, for the price, the best player in the league. And That's not going to happen again this year. And it almost feels like, to me, that's what they're hoping for again. Like, they're signing all these young... Homegrown players, and that they're hoping that
1: we're going to get another young star again. And that, that, that doesn't happen too often. No, sure, sure, sure but, but, but Bill. But Bill, I mean, look, you, 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 that doesn't that doesn't mean they shouldn't be signing. They signed Etienne and Tyler Adams. I think are the two names that uh, that are out there. Look, Sean Davis did some nice things. Maybe he comes to the forefront in 2016. Um, you know, I still think you can get more out of Lloyd Sam next year than you did. This past year, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Again, Varone is going to have to step it up. Maybe Varone becomes the guy who replaces whatever drop off Grela has. I mean, there, there, there's certainly there, there's certainly options here. I, I, I do think that the again the Miazga and Lawrence thing is interesting because you're gonna you, you went through a lot of uh, re- oh, turnover with your fullbacks last year. I mean, how many fullbacks did you guys play? I mean, it was like you know eight or nine. It seemed like, and Kamar Lawrence is one of the better fullbacks in the league. And he's, you know, and he's in demand. So you have to balance that as a club. How much, you know, how much do we value him with us, and how much is he, you know, how much is he worth on the open market? Do we, do we cash in now? And the same thing for Miazga, who definitely wants to go. And if he wants to go, you really don't want to deal with a with with a, an unhappy kid in 2016.
3: Oh, we gotta let him go. I, like I think that's why I think he's gone, and I think we should let him go. We should get the money for him while he's hot. Now I'm also hearing rumors that Sam may be leaving. That he needs to going to L.A.? You
1: hearing any rumors no, about that? No, I, I haven't heard that. But if that's, uh, they, they would definitely, I mean, they would have some trouble replacing him, for sure.
3: Yeah, you know, And that's where I, I, I think they're hoping this Barone is really going to work out. Because when I heard that, they're putting everything on Barone now, that he's going to come in yeah. and be this wide guy for us, and he's going to be a star next year, and hopefully he is. But uh, I know it's too early, but you're always worried as a Red Bull fan.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I understand it, Bill. I understand it. And again, you you guys you hit the wall again. I mean, you won the Supporters Shield. Congratulations. Two and three years is a solid achievement. But you hit that playoff wall again. And really, what you what what Jesse Marsh has to do in uh, Jesse Marsh, Ali Curtis, the the brain trust there at Rebel Arena, what they have to do is figure out why they hit the wall and who is going to make the difference in in, in the next season. Maybe you can't you know maybe you can't really prepare for that any more than just you know, lean on the experience that you had in the past year. I mean, I I, I don't know because it's not look. Dax McCarty, that's one of the best defensive midfielders in the league. You're gonna, you know, he's gonna be there. Sasha Klustin had a great year, just a bad playoff season. Um, you know, you got a lot out of Felipe. You got a lot out of uh, Bradley Wright Phillips and Mike Grella and and again, uh, Kamar Lawrence and Matt Miazga and and you know, wemet was was um was good in spurts and Zubar and you know Parnell. Is Parnell gone already?
3: I don't think so, but he was the all-one injury in the playoffs. Yeah.
1: yeah. You know,
3: and we, we made it the whole season without an injury. EWP did not get injured the whole season. And we were all talking about it. If he goes down, we're in trouble. And he never did. And to expect this guy to have another full season without an injury is a lot to ask for also.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, well, I, so you, you, I, I, go ahead.
3: I'm just worried that they're sitting back a little bit and they're thinking that they're going to get lucky again and all their, their little moves are going to work out great. And I think it's great going with these young guys. And I want yeah. these young guys, but we still need – got to get a big player. You know, with New York, we need a big player. You know, we got to get somebody. And they mm. keep going with this small market uh, pricing, it's not going to work, I don't think, two years in a row. And like I said, it's too early to so start learning, but as Red Bull fans, we always do. Thanks,
1: Jason. I'll talk to you. Appreciate it, Bill. Good stuff from Bill up in New York. 646-832-3909. Holden's on Twitter, hitting up my man, DJ Khaled, trying to get him to call in, (laughs) which would be a brilliant way to finish out 2015. Uh, Chad on Twitter, my favorite soccer morning memory, was uh, Kevin Kincaid after his Twitter rant about the Union, uh, Sakevich's front office performance and PR spin. Yeah, Kevin Kincaid's brought a lot to this program. Over the past uh, over the past year as well, he's been on the Sirius Satellite Sirius XM Satellite Radio show as well uh, numerous times. Uh, Bo Durr, who has uh, jumped in on, on on Twitter, and I know listens every day. Uh, he was on the program a couple of different times. Um, I think we talked about his book Single Digit Soccer, which you can pick up, uh, which has some very interesting stories behind the scenes. Uh, you know, in illuminate, uh, illuminate is that a word? Illuminating things about the youth soccer world. And this is always, um, obviously always a a question in American soccer, how youth soccer impacts what goes forward. All right. Let's see. Uh, if we don't have any more phone calls, gonna have to wrap this one up. I mean, certainly not a week where I'm gonna hang out and just, uh, uh, pad for you guys. It's, it's, it's it's a holiday week. We all have more, we have more important things to do. I mean, I, you know, if you haven't finished your shopping, jump online, get that done. 646-832-3909. By the way, um, okay. So, uh, I'm not. I'm trying to figure out if I should be talking about this or not. We'll we'll, we'll have to address this maybe tomorrow. I, I was gonna go into some of our, uh, some of the behind the scenes stuff, but we'll we'll save that for tomorrow. Maybe I'll uh just tease you guys with a, a little bit of a chat. All right. So we got uh, Andrew Jennings as the best uh, interview of 2015. Uh, numerous great guests who had been on the show numerous times, including again Bo, Jonathan Tannewald, Jeff Kasouf. Uh, Kevin Kincaid, uh, Charlie Bohm. Oh, man. How many, how many other, again, Eric Gomez, Tom Marshall. Um, trying to think. We had, uh, uh, Dave Martinez many, many many times. Fantastic stuff from Empire Soccer's Dave Martinez. We've had, uh, Kyle McCarthy on this show numerous times. Um, let's see. Who else, who else should get a mention? I mean, I'm gonna leave people out. This is what I'm talking about Brian Sharetta, Christian Hennage, um, yeah, David Cartledge, absolutely Ross Dunbar, absolutely. Um uh we've uh Jonathan Johnson, uh Giuseppe Larocca, um David Amoyal, uh who else? Man, so many people. Was this did we have I'm trying to think of some of the like I'm trying to think of some of the one-offs that we had cuz so, I I saw somebody on Twitter t- the other day talking about uh, is it, um, who's the, who's the guy who write, who was writing on the American ownership? Trevor, was that last year? It was 2014, right? So this is what I'm talking about. My brain goes, David Kahn. Yeah, that was 2014. <laughs> so that was a long time ago. Seems like it just happened, but it didn't. It was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, we had, uh, we had some good stuff in 2014 as well. All right. Anyway, go, go look at the entirety of the, uh, of the archive. Good place to wrap it up. Thank you to Luke Moore from the Football Ramble for his insight into the Premier League. Uh, thank you for the callers, both of you guys, Robert, Bill. Good stuff from you. Uh, we'll be here tomorrow. We'll be here on, uh, Thursday as well. So we'll be up here up until, uh, up until Christmas Eve. So if you, um, if you were wondering, there's your information. Thank you very much, uh, for checking us out and, uh, go, uh, follow us on Twitter and, uh, do the, the iTunes thing and what else? Nothing? Lawless, Twelman, you're right. 2015. Fantastic year of guests. We'll uh, do more review tomorrow, maybe. We'll talk to you then. Bye.
3: Did my invitations disappear? Why'd I put my heart on every cursive letter? Tell me why the hell no one is here.